Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' cold coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? Dunkin's cold K-cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Good morning. Picking up the pieces, millions from the northeast to Louisiana still reeling in the wake of Hurricane Ida. There's not a person on this body that's not suffering. Entire neighborhoods still underwater, hundreds of thousands still without power. And this gut-wrenching new video from the night of the storm revealing police officers diving into a flooded New York City apartment in a desperate attempt to save a family. Inside the ongoing rescues, recovery, and your holiday forecast just ahead. Breaking overnight, held hostage, the Taliban reportedly preventing planes carrying evacuees, including Americans, from leaving Afghanistan. We're live with the very latest. Expiration day. Millions of Americans set to lose unemployment benefits as federal funds meant to ease the pandemic's toll come to an end today. So where do they turn now for help? And how can the nation's economy bounce back with the Delta variant fueling another slowdown? We'll go one-on-one -on -one with the Secretary of Labor. New mystery, a prominent attorney recovering after being shot in the head nearly three months after the double murder of his wife and son, a case that is still unsolved. So is there a connection? What the family and police are now saying. Those stories plus as the NFL season gets ready to kick off this week, Tom Brady reveals his own battle with COVID just after that infamous Super Bowl parade. And remembering Willard Scott. I think he's going for my hairpiece. With a larger-than-life heart and unmatched passion, he spent decades making the world smile here on Today and leading the tributes to Rillard's remarkable life, you the man who called him a second father. I don't do this for everybody. <laughs> I want you to. Let Al me. joins us as we celebrate our beloved Uncle Willie. Today, Monday, September 6th, 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good morning and welcome to today. Thank you for joining us on this Labor Day Monday morning. I'm Chanel Jones alongside Tom Yamas, Savannah, Hoda, and Craig are off this morning. Pretty much everybody. Everybody's it's, off this morning, but we're just here for you, you this yeah. morning. Uh, we were just laughing about Willard Scott. What an icon, what a legend. He had spent more than 40 years with this broadcast, which is so hard to believe. And I'm so excited we're going to hear from Al later in the show. You know, it's so interesting. I heard from so many people, different ages from all over the country, people who didn't know him personally, and they all felt impacted by his warmth, yeah. right? So we'll get to him and we'll give him a, a tribute he deserves right. coming up a little later this morning. But we'll begin on this Labor Day with the weather. Tens of millions are still coping with Ida's devastation after its historic hits that stretch from the south to New England. We have two reports for you this morning, starting with NBC's Gabe Gutierrez. He's in Manville, New Jersey, where damage is everywhere. Gabe, good morning. Chanel, good morning. Right now, people are beginning the painful process of trying to clean up this massive mess, block after block of ruined belongings out on the street as people clean out their flooded basements. Tomorrow, President Biden is scheduled to tour 
some of the destruction here. Across the Northeast, communities reeling from Ida's aftermath. At least 51 people have died from the unprecedented flooding and destruction caused by last week's historic storm. This new video from the NYPD shows officers frantically trying to reach a flooded basement. With rising water and live electricity, they had to wait for specialized rescue teams. When they got there, they found three people had already drowned. In hard-hit New Jersey, the search resumes for four people still missing, including two college students who witnesses say were swept up in the rushing water. Please pray for them, pray for them, please. Everybody pray for them. With at least 27 people dead in New Jersey alone, Ida's remnants are the second deadliest storm in the state's history. It could also be among the costliest. Water came right, right to the edge. So your entire basement was underwater. If it just came up a little bit more, then that meant everything. In Manville, New Jersey, it took Richard Mumber 11 hours to return to his home to check on it. Did you expect this much water? No, nobody did. For his wife, Kelly, the escape was harrowing. And I'm here with the two kids and the dog, and the water just kept getting higher and higher. And we have no idea what will happen to our house. These are the anxious moments when her family evacuated. Look at how high the water was. Thank God for neighbors with boats. That neighbor, Mark Mendersky. How many people did he rescue? I honestly didn't really keep track, but uh, I'd say a good eight families on my block alone. This neighborhood had seen floods before, but not like this. We were watching people getting picked off their roofs on with helicopters. Like, it was like something out of a movie. Clearly, this cleanup will take quite a while. There's damage pretty much everywhere you turn. Now, New Jersey has gotten more rain in several hours last week than it normally gets in a month or two. The president has approved a federal disaster declaration for several counties here. Chanel. Damage is heartbreaking. All right, thank you, Gabe. Also this morning, Ida's toll in the south is growing. More than a week after it crashed ashore as a major Cat 4 hurricane, the death toll rose in Louisiana over the weekend, and more than half a million homes are still without power. NBC's Vaughn Hillard is in New Orleans for us this morning. Vaughn, good morning. Tom, good morning. Eight days in, and some homes in the state are still surrounded by water. And power is not expected to be fully restored across the state until the end of the month. The state's largest electricity provider said the damage caused by this storm was greater than Hurricanes Katrina, Ike, Delta, and Zeta combined. This morning across the South, residents are reeling from Ida's devastation. It's terrible, man. It's just so hard. At least 17 deaths now blamed on the storm in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Louisiana's governor warning the death toll could rise. Typically, it isn't the direct impact of the storm that kills the most people. Uh, it's post-storm activities. While battling intense heat and humidity, hundreds of thousands in the region are still without power. Louisiana's largest electricity provider saying for some, power might not return until the end of September. Many are also facing food, water, and gas shortages. We don't have any lights. We don't have any, you know, drinkable water. The hardest part is just trying to get in the stores and get food for my family. And now seven nursing homes in Louisiana are being shut down by the state uh, after they evacuated residents into a single unfit warehouse ahead of the storm. Of some 800 relocated seniors, seven have now died, and five of the deaths have been classified as storm-related fatalities. They were on mattresses on floors, and they had a couple days of no air condition. 
In Lafitte, where there are still feet of standing water, residents are shaken to the core. It's all my neighbors. I love these people. These people are my family. And they're all suffering. They're all suffering. There's not a person on this body that's not suffering. Painfully slow signs of progress in a long and challenging road to recovery. I've done this over and over again. This is the worst I've ever seen. Here in New Orleans, the blazing temperatures and lack of power have led the city to offer buses to shelters in northern Louisiana and neighboring states. Officials are hoping, though, that by Wednesday, power, power will be restored across the city. Tom? We hope so. All right, Vaughn, thank you for that. Now to that breaking news from Afghanistan overnight. Reports the Taliban is now stopping evacuation flights from leaving the country with some Americans on those planes. NBC's Megan Fitzgerald joins us with the details. Megan, good morning. Chanel, good morning to you. As the Taliban continues to tighten its grip in the country, there's growing concern that as each day passes, the chances of those still left behind getting out are diminishing. This morning, the Taliban claiming they've taken over the last free part of Afghanistan as desperation inside the country mounts. The Taliban says they've captured Panjir province, the last place in the country to fall. Resistance fighters on the ground deny the claim, and NBC has not confirmed it, while some Americans, along with many Afghans who assisted the United States, are still stranded in the country after the U.S. military left last week. Hundreds have been waiting for days for these charter flights to take off from the northern city of Masri Sharif. This weekend, Republican Congressman Michael McCall claiming some Americans are being held there. We have six airplanes at Mazar Sharif Airport, six airplanes with American citizens on them as I speak, uh, also with these interpreters, and the Taliban is holding them hostage for demands right now. The Taliban confirming it has stopped the planes from leaving, claiming the airport is not active. The White House saying it is not aware of a hostage situation and the U.S. State Department not confirming Americans are on board the planes. The State Department adding it understands the concerns of those who want to get Americans and Afghan allies out, but noting we do not have personnel on the ground. We do not have air assets in the country. We do not control the airspace. Nobody's moving and uh, things are getting more and more tense and pressurized. U.S. aid worker Marina Legree runs Ascend Afghanistan, teaching young girls how to be leaders through mountaineering. Dozens of her students and staff are stranded at the airport. These are planes full of innocent people, children, women activists. They need to be let go. Our government knows the right levers to pull to convince people inside the Taliban to do the right thing and let these planes fly. A situation rapidly deteriorating as those most at risk fear they'll never get out. Secretary of State Blinken is expected to arrive in Doha later this morning. The State Department says if it's appropriate for him to engage with senior Taliban officials, he'll do so. But right now, there's no plans that are scheduled. Chanel. All right, Megan, thank you. Turning now to the battle against COVID and grim new milestones. Over the holiday weekend, the U.S. has now surpassed 40 million cases and 650,000 deaths. This has tens of millions of Americans travel for Labor Day, despite some warnings from the CDC. NBC's Guad Venegas has the very latest. Guad, good morning. 
Good morning, Tom. Well, those numbers are astounding. Here's a little perspective. COVID has already forced more than 1,000 schools across 35 states to close uh, this school year, and that number is only expected to grow as more kids become infected. This morning, as Americans look ahead to the fall, questions about when many adults can take a COVID booster shot while children under 12 facing a new school year are still unable to be vaccinated at all as the COVID case count continues to rise. A staggering 40 million infections in the U.S. and with COVID deaths rising in 48 states, the country has now surpassed 650,000 deaths since the start of the pandemic as the highly contagious Delta variant drives the latest surge. The White House is preparing to extend its booster timeline. While the third shot for some of those fully vaccinated with Pfizer and Moderna was expected to be available in two weeks, regulators now warn Moderna likely won't make that deadline after the company's booster data was found to be inadequate. The Biden administration adamant on waiting for approval. No one's going to get boosters until the FDA says they're approved, until the CDC advisory committee uh, makes a recommendation. This as the number of kids infected with the virus is on the rise. A new report from the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Children's Hospital Association found children make up one in five new COVID cases. And between late June and mid-August, numbers from the CDC show hospitalization rates for kids and teens increased fivefold. We know certainly more children are getting infected and therefore more are getting hospitalized. COVID put then four-year-old Lincoln in the hospital for a week last March. I don't feel so good. I know you don't feel so good. His mother, Anna, stayed at his bedside as his condition worsened. I remember the moments that he said, Mom, I just don't feel good. I don't think I'm going to go home. That's the thing that nobody wants to hear their four-year-old say. Luckily, Lincoln's condition improved, but he would have to spend three more weeks on oxygen. I just think that people need to know that this is possible. As for that uh, possible approval delay for Moderna's booster doses, Dr. Fauci said if there is one, it could take a few more weeks. But the White House says once they do get the approval, they'll be ready to roll out those third shots within hours. Chanel? Quad, thank you. Now to COVID's impact on the economy. Extended federal unemployment benefits put in place at the height of the pandemic expire today for millions of Americans. This on the heels of Friday's lackluster jobs report, which was nearly half a million jobs lower than estimates. So what does this all mean for American families and the overall economy moving forward? Labor Secretary Marty Walsh joins us now on this Labor Day morning. Secretary Walsh, good morning to you. Thank you for your time. Good morning, and thank you for having me this morning. I just want to wish uh, everyone in the country a happy Labor Day. Thank you. Well, we'll get to those job numbers in just a moment. But let's start with the federal unemployment assistance expiring today. That money has certainly been a lifeline for millions of families the last year and a half. What happens to them now? 
Yeah, thank God we had it in the very beginning of this pandemic uh, because we, people would have had uh, gone through a lot more devastation during this pandemic. Uh, what we've done now is we're looking at this was a bill that was voted on by Congress, the American Rescue Plan, uh, and today was the day that the $300 extension will end. Uh, we have allowed uh, governors across the country, if they need to, to look at using CARES money, uh, excuse me, using rescue plan money to extend the unemployment benefit in their state if they need to. Mm -hmm. uh, the rate is different all across the country. Uh, so it really is about how do we continue to get the economy back and running. The problem we have right now is that we have a Delta variant uh, that unfortunately is not working with us. We're seeing numbers in certain parts of the country high. So we have to keep an eye on what's going on moving forward here. I'm glad you asked about that. Let's unpack that for a moment. A growing number of schools are now going virtual again because of the Delta variant. What's the solution, in your opinion, for families who can't afford to do both, work from home um, and, or go back to work and also pay for child care? What do they do? Well, we're going to have to watch and reassess where we are as we move forward here over the course of the next couple of weeks. Uh, the one thing about this pandemic, when the pandemic began, I was the mayor of the city of Boston. Uh, we had to shut down the city, basically shut down schools and businesses. And as we started to move move forward, uh, we were seeing uh, some kind of light at the end of the tunnel when President Biden uh, got sworn in as president. He came out with a very aggressive vaccine program. Uh, we were able to get 70 percent of Americans vaccinated. Uh, we were able to do a lot moving our economy forward at 4.5 million jobs uh, since he took office uh, and over the last the last month really the month of August uh, has kind of changed the way we look changed the perspective of where we are with the pandemic uh, so we're gonna have to take this week by week to see how we move forward lots of parents are gonna have a very difficult time if in fact schools do not open in person and I think that's one of the things that we were hoping for as schools reopened uh, you know people getting vaccinated the two fears I think that kept people out of the workforce the most were one lack of good child care which includes schools, and the second is is their, their own personal health. Uh, so as we're going to have to monitor this very closely, I know the president and the White House and the CDC are monitoring this very closely. Absolutely. Let me squeeze in one more question here. I want to get to those job numbers. Early estimates were optimistic. Analysts suggest that this summer's COVID surge has slowed growth. Is that what you're seeing? And should we expect a rough few months if these trends continue? I think a lot of people just want to know if there's a light, if you will, at the end of the tunnel. Well, I think there is a light in the tunnel, and I think it's incumbent upon all of us to make sure that we're vaccinated, uh, making sure that we're still we're still keeping each other safe and watching out for your own personal health uh, with the pandemic. I think that, you know, we really need to continue to get people vaccinated. There's still parts of this country that people, uh, large numbers of people aren't vaccinated, and, and we're seeing the largest um, hits of, of Delta variant there. Uh, also in those areas, we're seeing hospitals overrun with people uh, and some concerns. So I think there, there definitely is a light in the tunnel. It's just a matter of us continuing to move forward. I don't want to make you say a yes or no answer here, but do you think we can get back to pre-pandemic levels within the next year or so? I would hope so. I mean, I mean, again, it's very, the, the, the pandemic, the virus is very unpredictable. Uh, I think we can get pretty close to it. Uh, I think a lot of people are hoping uh, this year, by the end of this year, would be there. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case. But again, uh, you know, we're dealing with a pandemic. I think that listening to what the science says, listen to what the experts say, uh, we'll get together. We'll get through this together. We sure hope so. U.S. Sec Labor Secretary Marty Walsh, thank you for your time on this Labor Day. Thank you. Happy Labor Day to everyone.
Okay, and speaking of Labor Day, time now for a first check of the weather on this holiday morning. And Dylan, up here in the Northeast, we kind of had a mixed bag this weekend. Yeah, yesterday ended up being a little showery. We had a cold front trying to move through that made us feel like fall is right around the corner. And here's that cold front now that'll bring a couple of spotty showers through the Carolinas, and it will exit southern New Jersey as well. And back behind it, the humidity is gone, temperatures in the upper 70s and lower 80s, uh, 84 in D.C., 81 in New York. But it's really out west where the temperature story is a big deal because 14 million people are under heat watches. We could see afternoon high temperatures at 115 degrees. Even Death Valley could get up to 120 degrees. And the heat is going to stick around. And unfortunately, the heat with the lack of humidity and the very dry conditions with no rain in sight, that is going to help spread wildfires, especially across parts of uh, the eastern Rockies uh, as we go into uh, once again today and tomorrow and beyond. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thanks so much for that. Coming up, a new twist tied to a mysterious case in South Carolina. You may have heard about this. A prominent attorney shot and now in the hospital nearly three months after the unsolved double murder of his wife and son. The latest on both investigations just ahead. Plus a surprise revelation from Tom Brady. Remember his rise fun at the Super Bowl parade? Well, apparently he caught COVID just a short time later. What he's saying about that and his concerns about the virus just days before the new NFL season kicks off. But first, this is Today on NBC. In life, we're often driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to find candidates isn't to search, it's to match with Indeed. Indeed's a matching and hiring platform used by over 300 million global monthly users, according to Indeed data. Need quality candidates fast? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. And you'll connect with candidates in no time. And it's not just faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And here's the best part. Listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit, giving your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In-laws, love them or hate them, you're pretty much stuck with them. And when you're a ruler in the Middle Ages, that can be a serious problem. It might even land you dead. I'm Dan Jones, and on season four of This Is History, I'm telling the story of England's weirdest king, Henry III. He's in way over his head, and he's surrounded by bloodthirsty relatives with their eyes on his throne. To listen, search This Is History and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Back at 7.30, let's take this in with an ocean view from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina on this Monday morning, Labor Day, September 6, 2021. I have to say, it's to me, it's pretty crowded for this hour. And it's morning. early. They're getting in the right. last day of summer. In fact, people all over the country are heading to beaches, lakes, and pools to enjoy the unofficial end of summer. We'll get Dylan's forecast in just a bit. All right, but first a reminder about an exclusive live interview we'll have for you tomorrow. Monica Lewinsky sitting down with Savannah right here in Studio 1A. Her story is back in the headlines with this week's premiere of a much-anticipated new series. And Monica is one of the producers. She'll open up about that experience and bringing her story to the small screen tomorrow only on today. All right, we look forward to that. Now let's get to your 7.30 headlines. We begin in Florida where a man wearing a full body armor 
shot and killed four people yesterday, including a mother and a three-month-old baby. It happened at a home in Lakeland, about 30 miles east of Tampa. When police responded to the scene, the suspect engaged in a shootout with officers. Eventually, he was taken into custody. Officials say the suspect is a former Marine who likely targeted his victims at random and appeared to be suffering from mental health issues. Tens of thousands of people who fled South Lake Tahoe are being allowed back home this morning as crews make progress against a massive wildfire. Evacuation orders for the resort city were downgraded yesterday to warnings. Some 22,000 people were forced to flee last week as the Caldor fire approached the area on the California-Nevada border. But officials say easing winds reduced the threat in recent days. The fire is now 44% contained. A long-standing hotel at Atlanta's airport came crashing down yesterday with the help of 1,300 pounds of dynamite. Take a look. The 14-story Sheridan Hotel closed back in 2017, and the property was purchased by the city. Officials say the land will now be used as part of an airport expansion project. All right, also this morning, we have an update on a mysterious case from South Carolina we've been following for months. Yeah, this is such a wild story. The unsolved double murder of a prominent attorney's wife and son is making new headlines after he was shot over the weekend. NBC's Katie Beck joins us now with the very latest. Katie, good morning. Good morning, Tom. This case has been gripping the state for months. First, the wife and son of prominent attorney Alex Murdoch discovered dead on the family property. Now, Alex Murdoch himself is recovering after a stunning twist in this disturbing mystery. A shocking new twist this morning in the case of a high-profile family at the center of an unsolved murder mystery. Prominent South Carolina attorney Alex Murdoch is now recovering after being shot this weekend. It's the latest in a string of disturbing events coming just three months after the double murder of Murdoch's wife and son. Many in the area closely following the case. The family is legendary in South Carolina, with its members previously serving as the region's top prosecutor for generations. On Saturday, Murdoch pulled his car over to change a flat tire, according to a family friend, when a pickup truck drove by, turned around and approached again. Seconds later, someone inside opened fire. Authorities say Murdoch called 911 and was treated for a superficial gunshot wound to the head. South Carolina police are still investigating the June murder of his wife and son. My wife and my son. Are they in a vehicle? No, ma'am, they're on the ground out at my kennel. Alex Murdoch came home to his family estate on June 7th to discover his wife Maggie and their son Paul fatally shot near the dog kennels on their family property. Alex Murdoch's brother speaking out shortly after the murders. But the person that did this is out there. The Murdoch family has offered a $100,000 reward for information. Still, no arrests have been made. He is presumed. Innocent. At the time of his death, 22-year-old Paul Murdoch had pleaded not guilty and was awaiting trial on three charges of boating under the influence related to a 2019 crash that left a 19-year-old woman dead. The family's power in the state sparked questions about whether Alex intervened in the boat crash case to protect his son. Claims the family denies. After the murders, the charges were dropped. Now, as Alex recovers in a Savannah hospital, Murdoch's attorney tells NBC News it makes you wonder what the hell is going on, adding it seems like someone's gunning for the family. 
Now, at this point, police are not saying any information about potential suspects or arrests in the case, just that the investigation is ongoing. As for Alex Murdoch, family members say he is expected to recover, but he's asking for privacy at this very difficult time. Tom? Mm -hmm. Katie, back for us with that new twist in this case. Katie, thank you. Up next, inside the Chernobyl disaster, the site of the worst nuclear accident ever, and the new safety concerns 35 years later. NBC's Kelly Kobiea is there. But first, these messages. And we're back at 739 with an in-depth today this morning, an eye-opening look at the worst nuclear accident the world has ever seen, Chernobyl. It happened more than 35 years ago, but the effects are still being felt, highlighted by new safety concerns at the site. NBC's Kelly Kobiea is there. Kelly? Guys, good morning. Yeah, this is a ghost town. It's been literally frozen in time for three and a half decades now, but it is still very much an active disaster zone. In the deserted towns near Chernobyl, nature is taking over. But now there's a renewed focus on this nuclear catastrophe. The only signs of life are thrill-seeking tourists and their Geiger counters. Okay, I think that was maximum. So that was 200, the max. yeah. So what does that mean? A lot of radiation? A lot, definitely. Uh, yeah, taking the risks, nice. The, the 1986 accident at the Soviet plant is long considered the world's worst ever nuclear disaster. That Soviet nuclear disaster is probably the worst in history. Thousands died in its aftermath. The chilling tragedy portrayed in an award-winning HBO series. There's a fire in the turbine off. The core exploded. Most of the nuclear fuel is still inside the destroyed plant, mixed with sand and debris, some of it in strange lava-like clumps, now covered by a massive steel dome. That's the new confinement cover. Scientists say deep in the ruins, some of that fuel is still burning. The fuel is damaged, he tells me. It's chaotic and can't be fully controlled. They say it appears to be stable, smoldering instead of white hot. And while an explosion is extremely unlikely, experts admit it can't be ruled out. Is there no risk or is it still a possibility? We can't rule it out because we don't understand completely the situation of the nuclear material inside that room, the amount of water and its configuration. Leonid Struk lives in the contamination zone and grows his own vegetables. Are you worried about radiation? Yeah. He told me he's not worried about the accident site either, convinced the steel cover will contain the radiation. So are scientists. But in the world's worst nuclear disaster zone, the risk of another accident, no matter how small, can't be ignored. And there's another concern underneath that dome. The structure originally built to contain the disaster is very unstable. And if it falls, it would kick up 30 tons of radioactive dust underneath the dome, contaminating all of the high-tech equipment. The goal is to have that structure safely down, if all goes well, by next year. 
Guys? My goodness. Kelly, thank you. Yeah, let's switch gears now to something maybe a little more uplifting mm -hmm. than nuclear disaster. We'll get a check of the holiday forecast from Dylan. Hey, Dylan. Hey, guys. We'll try, but we are still talking about the hurricane season here. And we have Hurricane Larry, a Category 3 hurricane, out over the Atlantic right now. It is going to approach Bermuda, but should take a turn to the northeast. But winds are at 120 miles per hour, most likely maintaining its strength as a Cat 3, downgrading to a Category 2 by the time it approaches Bermuda. The reason I want to show you this is because folks still at the beaches keep in mind, rough surf uh, is likely. And we also have dangerous rip currents from basically southeastern Massachusetts down through South Carolina. Uh, Invest 91L is the other uh, storm that we're watching. Only really a 30% chance of becoming a named storm. However, no matter what this storm does, it is still expected to bring quite a lot of rain to hard-hit parts of the Gulf uh, Coast, especially down near New Orleans, over through the panhandle of Florida, even into Mobile, Alabama, where we could see up to four inches of rain by the time we get into to Wednesday night and Thursday morning. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thanks for that. Up next, what NFL superstar Tom Brady is revealing about his battle with COVID, plus the challenges of keeping players and fans safe ahead of Thursday's big kickoff. But first, these local messages. Hi, I'm Nick Friedman. And I'm Lee Alec Murray. And this is The Anime Effect. We're a brand new podcast breaking down the anime and fandom news you care about and revealing just how powerful the effect of anime really is. Every week, we're breaking down the latest anime community developments and what it means for us fans. But we won't stop at just anime. We'll dig into other fandoms we can't get enough of and invite guests we know you'll recognize to join in the discussion. Whether you're a dedicated anime fan or a casual viewer, we want you to experience the anime effect. Tune into The Anime Effect starting February 16th. The Anime Effect is brought to you by Crunchyroll and Sony Music Entertainment. Watch complete episodes on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel or listen wherever you get your podcasts. We are back with a headline-making revelation from one of the NFL's biggest stars just days before the new season began. Yeah, this is some serious news here. Legendary quarterback Tom Brady says shortly after his record-setting Super Bowl win, he contracted the coronavirus. Here's ABC's Ann Thompson. Tom Brady, the NFL's winningest quarterback, beat the Kansas City Chiefs to take the Super Bowl title in February. Then he beat COVID. The Buccaneers' 44-year-old leader confirmed to the Tampa Bay Times that he had the coronavirus shortly after that PAC championship boat parade in Florida, where Brady memorably tossed the Lombardi Trophy across the waters. And left feeling no pain. Now focused on Thursday's opening game against the Dallas Cowboys and his pursuit of an eighth championship ring, Brady is worried about the virus, telling the paper he thinks it will be challenging this year. I actually think it's going to play more of a factor this year than last year just because of the way what we're doing now and what the stadium is going to look like and what the travel is going to look like and the people in the building and the fans. At Raymond James Stadium, home of the Bucks, face coverings are recommended for both the unvaccinated and fully vaccinated indoors, though not required. Brady added, it's not like last year, although we're getting tested like last year. I definitely think guys are going to be out at different points, and we've just got to deal with it. We're 100% vaccinated, our entire organization, all the players, all the coaches, everybody. Last week, the Bucks joined the Atlanta Falcons to become the NFL's second fully vaccinated team. That includes Brady, though he has not publicly said so.
Yet this morning, at least one Bucks player is still on the COVID reserve list. The league says it is confident in its protocols and it will be prepared to adapt our policies and procedures based on the latest conditions and in consultation with the medical experts. As the season kicks off, the NFL says 93% of its players are vaccinated, but COVID still may be its most elusive opponent. For today, Ann Thompson, NBC News. Hmm. He brought up a good point that I was just mentioning to a family member yesterday. A lot of us are worrying that this time around it could be worse, only because I feel like people have they have fatigue about the masks. Are and, yeah, college, NFL. I mean, yeah. everywhere you go, people are just are ready to get back. Stadiums like it used to be. And maybe yeah. you let your guard down a little bit right yes, before all the yes. So we have if to be careful. Like that, you let your guard yeah. Down yeah. Was it was it White Claws <laughs> or tequila? I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> remember what it was. But I just love that video. Right. All right, uh, back to football. As for this NFL season you can catch the home opener between Tom Brady's Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys Thursday night right here on NBC coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern looking forward to that all right and coming up in Popstart we've got a special announcement tied to the NFL's return plus Al is going to join us to celebrate the life and legacy of our dear friend Willard Scott